The reading is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, and could be found on page 1042 of the Church Bibles. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Great, thank you, Nikki. Good evening, everyone. It's good to be here. Um, although I'm very sorry that Mike Norris isn't able to be here uh, tonight after West Ham's 2-0 victory over Arsenal this afternoon. Uh, so do pray for him as he comes to terms with that shock. Um, and me, in a, in a different sort of way. There we go. And, and it, very appropriately, I'm, I'm beginning with just the idea that actually we're very easily distracted, aren't we? Um, hopefully that mention of football won't distract you through this sermon. Um, but I have to say that the putting together of this sermon uh, certainly was uh, a time when I was struggling with distraction because, of course, this week we had the fourth test of the ashes. And um, Thursday and Friday are the days I normally set aside uh, to write my sermons. Um, and I have to say that uh, it was proving rather difficult. I'd made a deal with myself uh, where I wouldn't subscribe to Sky this time. Uh, but what I would do is you know, have the BBC website open when it just gives you those little headlines when something happens. And each time something significant happened, I'd read it and then return to my sermon. So um, after Thursday morning and Friday daytime, I think I worked out I was averaging two sentences per Australian wicket, which <laughs> I, I actually think... I actually think was quite good considering. Um, Nat, you're welcome to leave now if you wish. But all righty, <laughs> there we go. So it's easy to be distracted, and um, certainly that was true of Mary. And that really, sorry, Martha. Let's get that right. Um, and that's very much a theme of this passage. And all of us struggle with distraction. It might be because of things we're interested in, things we're excited about things that we're anxious about, things that we're responsible for, things we're hoping for. And um, it's easy to find ourselves preoccupied by those things and sometimes missing actually something really important and maybe something that actually we really want to hear and receive. And for that reason, I think that, that Martha here in this story uh, really is someone that we can all easily identify with. Why? Because of the things that we may have in common with her, when we think about our situation in our lives, whatever age and stage we're at, here are some of the things we might then have in common with her. Maybe we're feeling very busy and feeling slightly overwhelmed. Maybe we're concerned with how others think about us and we really want to make a good impression whenever we're in a situation where we feel we're being evaluated. Maybe um, we're very anxious that things are fair, maybe in the way that we're treated at work or in our family. Maybe we're conscious there are just so many good things we could be doing, and yet we don't have time to do them all. And yet in the midst of all of that, 
Hopefully most, if not all of us, want to see, see Jesus glorified. We want to serve him and we want to do our best for him. These are normal feelings for a normal Christian person with a busy life, balancing the demands of home and family and uh, relationships and work and studies and church and whatever else it might be that you fill your time with. And that's why I find this passage here tonight is very short, but why I've chosen it. And it's such a memorable and helpful one to me. Because it's not a passage about people who are rejecting Jesus or people who've strayed far away from him like so many of the gospel passages are. Rather, it's a passage that is a direct challenge to people who are following him and who may actually be doing very little wrong. That's the situation Martha was in, and that may well be the situation many of us are in as well. And yet we're people, though we may be doing very little wrong, we may actually still be missing the point and missing out on many of the blessings that Jesus has for us. So what are some of the symptoms then that we might be in that situation of missing out on some of those things? Well, maybe we're feeling anxious about meeting the expectations of others or even ourselves. That can create a great pressure. We have ambitions, we have hopes, we put too much pressure on ourselves. Maybe we're feeling weighed down by the responsibilities that we have over it, study, work, family, uh, whatever else it might be, caring for others, or maybe some struggles that we're facing. Maybe we're feeling spiritually dry or unfruitful. Maybe we're feeling demotivated or maybe even slightly resentful of others in the church who we may feel are not pulling their weight. In short, as I hope will become clear, this story is relevant to us all. So I want to pray now that God would really speak to us through it. And um, I want to pray that whatever situation you are in, that actually God can show you how this is an encouragement to you about what he's calling you to. So let's pray now. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus and all that he taught. Lord, we thank you for the way that he took the situations he found himself in and spoke not just to the people there, but to your people everywhere for all time. And we thank you for this particular story, for the truths that it contains. Lord, would you connect with us tonight? Would you challenge us? But would you also deeply encourage us about who we can be and we are connected to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is where we're heading with the sermon tonight. Then I've got three uh, things that I want to do. The first is look at what's surprising in this story. And I think there's quite a bit that is. Then we're going to think about what's truly important in life. And third, we're going to think about what is the impact if we make that most important thing the most important thing for us. So that's where we're heading. So first of all then, what's surprising in this passage? And I think superficially at least, it's that Martha, the person in the story who is supposedly getting it wrong, actually seems to respond perfectly, appropriately, and normally, indeed, in ways that we might imagine ourselves responding as well. And actually, from all that we learn about her, she's a more devoted disciple than probably any of us here tonight. Whatever mistake Martha made, at first glance at least, it's one that the most devoted Christians could make. 
and actually doesn't really seem to be a mistake at all. But let's just remind ourselves then of what we know about Martha. Well, from elsewhere, for example, John 11, we know that she was one of the most devoted and spiritually perceptive of the disciples. And in that story, John 11, she shows enormous faith in believing that Jesus could heal her brother Lazarus from the dead. And in that uh, story there, she actually expresses her belief that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, despite the fact that virtually no one else had yet come to that same conclusion. And here in this story, when Jesus comes to her village, it's Martha who received him into her home. And not just him, but his 12 disciples as well. This wasn't just one extra for dinner. It was actually like, more like having a football team and all the subs as well. And it was the love and the devotion to Jesus that led her to go to an enormous amount of trouble. And verses 40 to 41 make that clear. If you look at those, she wanted to entertain him as worthily as she possibly could. And what would that mean? It would mean preparation of the guest rooms. It would mean the buying of provisions. It would mean the cooking, the baking, the serving of the meals, and the washing of the dishes, and I'm sure many other things as well. It was an enormous task. And that would naturally lead to a situation where she actually had very little time to sit and listen to Jesus talking. Now, not that she wouldn't have wanted to have done, she definitely would, but she recognized or believed that there were just certain things that had to be done when you were entertaining so important a guest as Jesus. And so you can imagine her consternation, can't you? when her sister seemed to make no effort at all to help. She, after all, lived there as well. She wasn't a guest, as far as we're aware. She wasn't even a rebellious teenager. There's no obvious reason why Mary wouldn't do the occasion, what the occasion demanded and joined forces with her sister. And whilst Martha was pulling out all the stops to honor the Lord and his disciples with a fine meal and a comfortable night's sleep, Mary left off working and went and sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his word. It meant that Mary was getting all the pleasure and Martha was getting all the work. And in Martha's eyes, this simply wasn't fair. But if that wasn't bad enough, what made it even worse was that Jesus seemed to be doing nothing about it. Indeed, he actually seemed to be encouraging Mary and condoning her wrong behavior as Martha saw it by letting her just sit there and talk to him. How would you feel? What would you do if you were Martha? Well, quite possibly, you would go up to Jesus and complain just like she did and suggest uh, perhaps he was being a little bit less than fair and rather insensitive to your circumstances. And maybe like Martha too, you'd give him a little bit of not-so-subtle guidance about what he should have done, which was to send Mary back into the kitchen. That's what you'd do, isn't it? Unless, of course, you remembered who it was that you were actually speaking to. Because that's where Martha went wrong and where we move on to our second section. What is truly important here? And what is truly important for us. Because Martha just assumed she knew the answer to that question and that it was Mary and by implication Jesus who were mistaken. And yet the man she chastised here 
was the same one that she called Lord, who had healed lepers, the blind, the lame, the dumb, who had calmed the storm, who had fed the 5,000, who had walked on water, and whose wisdom and spiritual insight was unprecedented, and who claimed to be the Messiah, in fact, who hinted that he was God himself, a claim that Martha herself believed. So Martha, might it be possible that in this little family dispute, where Jesus, the Son of God, surprisingly does not seem to be taking your side, might it just be possible that it's not him who's got it wrong, and not even your sister Mary, but actually Martha, it might be you. And so gently but firmly, Jesus corrected her. And it was not that he underestimated the importance of service in general or, his, or her service to him in particular. And in chapter 12 of Luke, um, the same gospel, Jesus taught parables that um, made clear that he calls for servants with a readiness to serve at any time, faithfully and fairly. And in other parables like the Good Samaritan or the sheep and the goats, he makes similar points about the importance of good deeds. So it does matter what we do, and it does matter how we serve. But the point Jesus is making in this story is this. When he visited Martha's house, he was on a journey, as verse 38 tells us. And so the time he had to spend with them was limited. And when he left, it would be a long time until he was back again. So the question was this. Would they cut down work to a minimum, content themselves with a few simple meals, and so give the Lord the maximum time to talk to them and enjoy their fellowship? Because that was what he wanted. He wasn't interested in dining and sleeping in luxury. Rather, he wanted to spend time with them. And what's more, he knew that that was what Martha and Mary really needed too, to spend time with him and to learn from him. And so although Martha meant, went well, although she loved Jesus and thought she was serving him, what she was actually doing was depriving herself of the very thing he wanted and depriving herself of the very thing that she needed. And the question I want to ask us this evening is this, are we doing the same? For what does Jesus want from us is it our religious observance? Is it our service? Is it our money? Is it our respectability? Or is it us? In time spent with him, not just doing things for him. And it's in this understanding of what is most important that Mary and Martha differed. That was the cause of the dispute. And this is the crux of the matter that Jesus addressed when, when Martha had got her frustrations and her anger off her chest. He then lifted the blinds from her eyes. And he did it so memorably and so simply there in verse 42. So after his initial words of comfort, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. We then get the verdict. But only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed. Yes, Martha, all that service, all that fantastic food, that impeccable accommodation, all of that is very nice, but only one thing is needed. And that thing, Martha, is you. Not the things that you're doing for me, but you here talking and listening. 
to me. And that's even though it offends all your prior assumptions and all the norms of your Jewish culture, we tell you that the way that you honor a special guest is by the quality of our hospitality. For only one thing is needed, and it's a thing that has nothing to do with shopping, nothing to do with cleaning, nothing to do with baking. And so that's why he added the final decisive words of judgment in this family dispute. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. For she understood that the time with Jesus was short. She understood that his mission was not to receive hospitality, but to make disciples. And she understood that if she was to become the disciple Jesus was calling her to be, she needed to spend as much time with him and to learn as much from him as possible. Because only that would change her. Only by listening to him would she start to learn from him. And only by being with him would she start to become like him. So let's draw all this together by applying this lesson to all the pressures, the responsibilities, the choices, the expectations, the burdens that we began with as we thought about our lives. What then is truly important in life? as a follower of Jesus? Well, it's not the jobs that need doing. It's not meeting other people's expectations or our own. It's not putting on a show and appearing to be a success or covering up all the things that suggest otherwise. It's not seeking to earn our way to approval from Jesus, from God, from others, or even from ourselves. It's not even putting others first. Virtuous and good though that is. It's learning from and listening to Jesus so that we would get to know him, so that we would become like him. Why? Because if we get that right, everything else will look after itself. That is the starting point. That is the motivation. That is the life spring, and that is the foundation upon which we can then serve Jesus and change the world. Because it's by listening to him that we become different people and it's by becoming different people that we change people. Because then when people encounter us, they encounter Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches, Jesus said. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Mary was remaining in him as she listened at his feet. Martha was too focused on what she could do for him rather than on what he could do in her. Remaining in him means feeding on him persistently, consistently, just as a growing healthy tree remains constantly rooted in the soil, receiving all the nutrients that it needs. Service without remaining in Jesus is rather like cutting down a tree to get the apples from it. There's plenty to eat for a week or two, but after that, nothing else will grow. It's dead. It's no use to anyone. So remaining in Jesus then is not simply about allegiance or service or going to services like this one. It's about sustenance. It's about dependence. 
It's about seeking his presence every day, in every situation we face, and in every decision that we make. And what that therefore means is a life consisting of serving Jesus, but very rarely listening to him, or even talking to him, is a life way out of balance. It might look like we're doing Jesus' will. We may be on all the rotors. We may look like the most committed person. We may be such an activist. And yet if we're not listening to him, actually we're missing the very thing that we need. Just like Martha, who wasn't giving Jesus a chance to talk to her, whether he wanted to or not. But to follow Mary's example, the better way is to be willing to take time out and to listen to Jesus whenever he has something to say. And staying close enough to him, checking in with him so regularly that we actually notice when he does. Whether that's directly in prayer as we talk to him and listen to him, whether it's through um, the words of Scripture, recording his words as the Holy Spirit applies it into our lives. It's about always being hungry to learn. And whenever we feel we've lost connection with him, coming back to him until that sense of connection and rootedness is restored. So let's move on to our third section then. What is the impact of living this way and listening to Jesus? When we get back to spending time with him, what starts to happen? Well, we start to see things as they really are. We realize how far away we are from holiness, but we're drawn towards it as we focus on him. We move from feeling out of control to Jesus being in control when we place everything in his hands and trust in him, and it brings us tremendous peace. We stop trying to earn God's favor, but simply accept and rejoice in his grace. We start to let go of a compulsion uh, to meet other people's expectations, to somehow achieve to these ideals that we've set ourselves. And instead, knowing we're forgiven, knowing we're loved, knowing that we're affirmed, We seek simply to glorify him. We discover that we become more sensitive to his prompting and guidance and fruitful conversations start to arise. Divine coincidences, anointed appointments, whatever you want to call them. We start to hear his voice and amazing things happen. And we begin to notice and others begin to notice in us that as we serve Jesus, It no longer seems like a chore. It no longer seems heavy going. We no longer feel resentful. And we find ourselves enjoying the pleasure of simply doing his will again. And we start to realize that the things we were worried or preoccupied with, the things we thought about earlier, no longer have such power over us. We can sit lightly to them, confident that Jesus is carrying those burdens for us and they are completely safe with him. And overall, we start to re-experience that joy and that satisfaction that only walking with Jesus can bring. 
It's a gradual thing, but it's a remarkable thing. It's when everything starts to feel right again. When the main thing feels like the main thing in our lives and everything else finds its rightful place. When we start to feel thankful and joyful and hopeful again. Our desires become his desires. Our priorities become his priorities. And we feel at peace once more. So where are you at this evening? What will moving from a Martha to a Mary look like for you? Will you lay down your anxieties, your pressures, your burdens, and give them once more to Jesus? Jesus who said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Will you acknowledge that though everything else seems important, only one thing is needed, and it's the one thing we so easily neglect, and that maybe you've forgotten your first love, and that you need to come back to him now. And that it's not your volunteering, it's not your giving, it's not your church attendance, it's not your morality that he most wants. It's you. You in intimate relationship with him. Where there's no agenda you're bringing to it. No preconditions, no time limits, no hesitation. But you're simply giving yourself. Because he gave everything for you. Romans 12 verse 1 tells us this. Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So I want to give us all a number of opportunities now to respond as we go through the remainder of the service. I wonder what God's been saying to you as we've been looking at this story together. Maybe you're someone, and maybe we're all in this situation. You have burdens. You have anxieties. You have expectations. You have pressures that others are applying onto you and that you are applying to yourself. This is a moment when we can lay those things down, cast all our burdens on him, and be set free again. Or maybe you need to simply recommit yourself to listen and learn from Jesus, to recognize that what you're doing doesn't really matter. It's are you feeding on him, and are you allowing him to change you? So that's what we're going to think about now. I'd like to invite uh, Neil to come up. And we're going to start by singing a song, um, which I think is in keeping with all that we've been thinking about. And I want to invite you just to ask God to speak to you as we sing this song. And I want to pray for us now that, that he would do that by his spirit. So, Father, I thank you for what Jesus taught in this passage. And whatever you want to prompt us to lay down and to let go of tonight, Lord, would you make that clear to us? And Father, whatever a life of 
reconnecting with you, reconnecting with our Savior Jesus looks like. Lord, would you prompt us and cajole us and encourage us and lead us to do that, to reconnect to him, our cornerstone, our Savior, our life giver. And Father, would you change us in every way that you want to do that in us tonight. Amen.